0: Great to be back. I just got back in the country yesterday. Thank you for all your prayers in the week that I was away. We had such an outstanding time. I won't take up much of the service today. I, that uh, just I want to. But one one of the things about faith is, faith is always perseverant. You push. You gotta. You gotta stretch your faith. I Everybody mean, got to stretch. Choose to believe. I had a uh, had a, had a wonderful time on the Wednesday night, though I injured my foot quite badly and uh, crawled into the meeting on the all day Thursday. But I determined Thursday night we'd have a healing meeting. And so I thought, well, even if I don't get healed, I'm having a healing meeting. If I'm going to be in pain, devil's going to get some pain back. And uh, I hope they'll send the, uh, the video clip. They'll have it ready for me when I come back. But we had uh, two ladies came out of wheelchairs that have been in wheelchairs for years. And they were quite frail, of course, because there's no strength built up. But they got up and walked with some assistance. And we had about, uh, I think about five deaf ears opened up. And someone with had ringing in his ears for 20-odd years, all the ringing went. So we had a whole heap of miracles. So I went home in pain, but very happy because we'd broken through, got people saved and people touched. And before Dave comes up to share about Pakistan, I want to just uh, really uh, welcome and honour a very special guest here today. Gerald, and we won't give a second name because he's an undercover operative. And uh, he's a great man. He's, he's a New Zealander. But uh, he lives in China. He's married to a Chinese woman, his Chinese son. And, uh, but he is doing, he's a modern-day apostle working in China. And uh, I want us to really honor Gerald today. And uh, he's going to come up and just share for a few minutes about what God is doing in that great nation. Come on, let's give him a great <laughs> welcome. Just just stand and just honor a man of God in our midst today. God bless you, Gerald.
1: About how long. <laughs> I was just asking how long I've got, you know. Very important when you hand the microphone to a preacher, you tell him how long he's got, because he will go over time, but I won't today. Are you all doing good this morning? Praise God. I love what our sister had to say this morning and the verse you read uh, about all the thousands and millions and uncountable people around the throne who were worshiping. And as I was uh, listening to that, uh, the Lord said to me, I just when you get up here and share a little bit about what you're doing in China. You need to make people understand uh, what it's going to take to make that verse come to pass. Because it's wonderful to read it. And it is a prophecy of what will happen in the future. But the amount of people that are going to be around that throne on that day, it determines what you are going to do with your life. Not Pastor Mike, not somebody else, not the elders of the church, but you, because every single one of us are part of the body of Christ, and we can win people who can stand around that throne and worship like we heard our sister saying, tonight, tomorrow, every day, we can influence people so they will be around that throne on that day. Hallelujah. Are you here? Now, I've only got five to seven minutes to get at you this morning. But you know, you need to be got at. Hallelujah. Because if if, if all of us aren't moving, then there's going to be people who aren't there that should be there on that day. Are you here? You can all handle this kind of, of, of encouragement. This is just an exhortation. I'm just talking to you. I'm not preaching, you know. (laughs) But, you know, when when I got saved, when I prayed the sinner's prayer, something happened to me that I think didn't happen to a lot of Christians in that I got saved. Because I, I got saved, I realized something, that my life needed to be given to Jesus Christ for the rest of my life. It wasn't something you just pray and then carry on living the same way. And I realized that um, if Jesus gave his life for me, then I need to give my life to him. I didn't have to be told that by a preacher. It came naturally into my heart. Jesus, you died for me, so I will live for you. Simple. Simple. And uh, uh, Pastor Mike, he was up here during the worship, and he he said an interesting statement. What uh, can we do for you after all you've done for us? Well, I want to pose an answer to that question. How about a life of uncompromised, undistracted service to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what you can do. And it involves more than just coming to church on Sunday. It involves Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it involves getting involved in what God tells you He wants you to do. Amen? And for me, that involved, what still involves, being in China. Fifteen years ago, I was sitting in a service in the United States, in California, and I was listening to a preacher who had just come back from China. He was telling me how the commitment of the Chinese church was amazing and how they fasted for seven days during the seven-day meeting and everything. And I thought, well, that's very nice. And suddenly I heard a voice say to me, saying, I want you to go to China, and I want you to teach my people my word. Now, that one sentence that took about five seconds to come from heaven to me is still being worked out 15 years later. But I obeyed the heavenly vision. I obeyed the heavenly call. And when I went to China back there in 1997, it's not as open as it is now. China is still very closed. So please pray for China that the doors continue to open for the gospel. We need your prayers. Maybe you can't go, but you can pray for China. You can pray for the nations of the earth. And don't ever tell me that your prayers are ineffective either. It's your prayers that keep us alive. It's your prayers that keep us in the nation. It's your prayers that keep the police off our backs. It's your prayers that can save us from disaster. Please pray. Pray. I got three minutes left. So we started from our living room in China. I met my wife over there. I was single when I went there, and God said, this is your future wife, so we got married, and we started from a small living room in China. When I was in China, I would ask people, have you heard about Jesus? Almost nobody had ever even heard the name of Jesus. Now, 15 years later, we've got churches around the nation. You know, the number of folks that we uh, are under our direct covering, you know, we've built them up, maybe come two or 3,000 now, praise God. From a living room, we've grown to that much. We go to a lot of other churches, and we encourage the people, you know, to, to do what Jesus said, to make disciples of the nations. We've raised up a praise and worship team now that can go around the nation and start using music uh, uh, right in front of, 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 of the government, because they say, oh, it's only music, it can't be any harm, but, you know, the gospel comes through the music, and we're winning souls through the music, Hallelujah. We've, we've raised up a work there just by faith, just starting in a living room where now, if my wife and I were forced to leave the country or called somewhere else, the work will continue. We've got preachers. We've got young apostles being raised up. We've got young teachers being raised up. We've got leaders of music and leaders of worship, and we've got all kinds of things being raised up in the nation to shake the nation even if we're not there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want to suggest to you that every single one of you in here can start a work by faith, even if it's a tiny little mustard seed. Even if you're not prepared for it, you can start preparing for your calling now. You can start preparing in the Word of God and preparing in prayer and and building up a gift or a talent that God has given to you so that you can shake a nation one day. It might be 10 years later. It might be 20 years later. But if you'll get stuck into it now, if you'll take the calling of God seriously now, if you would dare to ask God and say, what would you have me to do? God will speak to you. He will. And then you can go and you can start to prepare. And when the time comes, God will release you and you can be effective for Jesus Christ in this world. Now, China is a huge nation. But now, 15 years later, I walk on the streets and I talk to people and I ask them, have you heard about Jesus? And the amount of people that I'm hearing saying, yes, stuns me. Did you know? The chairman of China, we've got the chairman and the prime minister. The current prime minister of China is a Christian. And the, the, the next one who's being lined up, his wife is a Christian. She got saved in the United States. Hallelujah. So, I've run out of time. But I want to tell you that nothing is impossible with God. There's 1.6 billion people in China. When I went there, I was overcome by the magnitude of the work that was to be done there. I said, God, only you can change this nation. But not even two decades later, the very leaders of the nation are turning to Jesus. Can you believe that? In communist China, we've got a Christian prime minister, whereas in the United States that once walked with God, we've got a Muslim, atheistic, anti-Israeli president. That's why God's raising up China. And if things keep going the way they are, China will rule the world because God says, I want my people ruling the world. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you today, brethren, dearly beloved. Just take this little exhortation that I took, the time to give you, and get on with it. Uncommitted is not going to work in this hour. Committed, uncompromising, undistracted service to the Lord Jesus Christ, will bring to pass the verse that our sister said. Amen. God bless you. Amen.
0: Fantastic. Isn't that, do you feel stirred? Why don't we stand and just pray in tongues for it? Come on, let's, we're all stirred up inside. Come on, let's stand and begin to pray in tongues. Come on up, come on, lead us in prayer for China. Gerald, come back up and come on, let's lead us in prayer for China. We're all excited now. So we'll get praying. Let's pray for
1: a couple of minutes. Anyway. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Stir up the gift inside of you. Stir up the gift of tongues inside of you. Let it out. And if you've never prayed in tongues, let the Holy Spirit fill you now. Shendai. Hendai. Vesa Hendai. Kora kevresha koda koriada kirianda hindahaya. Yay. Shendahanda de Bahaya. Jesus, we cry out to you for China. We cry out to you, Father God, save China. Raise up apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists and the body of Christ in China. Hallelujah. Raise up your body. Send more people to China. Send more people from the nations of the world, Father God, thousands, tens of thousands of missionaries, hallelujah, who carry the Word of God, who carry the fire of the Holy Ghost, who carry a vision to win souls, to make disciples of the nations. We cry out to you. You said if we cry out to you, you will answer. Hallelujah. So you're hearing us this morning, Father God. We bless the nation of China. All the calling that you have on that nation, let it come come to pass. Come to pass. Come to pass. Come to pass, come to pass, come to pass. We pray for the leadership of China that they will open themselves up to the truth of the gospel, that they will see that the church of Jesus Christ is not the enemy of the state. It's the blessing of the state. It's the survival of the state. It is the only hope of the state. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We ask you to put in more leaders in the leadership of China. We pray for a Christian chairman. We pray for a Christian prime minister. We pray for a Christian central government. We pray that they all be not just say, but filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And they'll speak in tongues. Hallelujah. And they'll have a vision for the nation to take the gospel right back through the Middle East all the way to Jerusalem. Thank you, Jesus. We bless China and we bless this nation of New Zealand while we're at it, Father God, in Jesus' name. Lord, we bless this nation to be raised up again. Revive this nation again. Revive it from the top down to the bottom, Father God. Hallelujah. Let the Christians in this nation become committed. Hallelujah. No more compromise. No more lukewarm. No more playing around. No more Sunday church behavior. Ah, commitment to follow Jesus, to win souls, to make disciples. And we bless Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you said if we bless the seed of Abraham, we will be blessed. Hallelujah! Raise up Israel, save Israel. Hallelujah! Save the Jewish people. Hallelujah! Take away the blindness from the God and open their eyes. We pray. Thank you, God. We bless them. 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 Hallelujah! Yeah, we bless Israel. We stand with Israel. Hallelujah. And we will be blessed. This church will be blessed. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ho, oh, come on. Give the Lord a clap.
0: Uh, let welcome Dave as he comes up to share about Pakistan and what God has been doing through Bay City up there.
2: Hallelujah come on, hallelujah hey it 's so great to be with you here again and uh, Gerald, that was brilliant and uh, you uh, you'll figure out today that um uh, you know this uh, this morning when I was praying, I had a message uh, ready for this morning, and uh, but then I changed it at the last minute, and it is exactly what you're talking about <laughs> and uh, so i'm I I just know that today, that God has wanted to do something very, very powerful in our lives here today. I think today is a defining moment for many people's lives. I think today that many people are going to walk out of here transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, I'm so excited to be back here, and uh, you just have no idea what it's like to be able to stand up here and preach without somebody standing on the side of the stage with a machine gun. (laughs) So most of the times I've preached this year, I've had a, a, a guard on both sides of the stage and uh, all decked out, ready to go, and, uh, just in case, <laughs> just as a deterrent measure. And, uh, but God has been doing something very, very powerful in the Middle East and, uh, and through the world right now. And uh, you only have to read the newspapers, you only have to see what's happening on the TV to see that, that something is shifting in the world today. Something is shifting. We see the financial system that has been shaken. We see nations that have been shifted. uh, There's governments being shifted and transformed. You see, in every, every sector of the world, things are being shaken. Things are being shifted. Power is shifting. Power is being transferred from one to another. And as Christians, we've got to understand the time and the season that we live in. It's not all about just coming to church and singing happy, clappy songs, and then going home and having a nice cup of tea. <laughs> that is not what you and I are born for. And uh, so today, I want to just share quickly and, and just show you a little glimpse of what it was like in Pakistan, and in a very small nutshell, uh, everything that we set out to do, we have accomplished and more, and, uh, and within the time frame that, that we had actually, we thought about. And uh, so we initially started to go there to, to, to spread the gospel. Now, the, the main objective was not necessarily to start a TV station. The TV station was a, uh, was a tool that we wanted to use in order to bring the gospel to as many people as we could. And so it's not about uh, starting a TV station. It's about bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is the hope of nations. And so we, uh, we, started the, we had the Isaac TV going for a while and for about four years reaching about four million people through cable. And uh, and as you know, we we committed to to upgrading Isaac TV into a satellite TV station. And so now at the the beginning of February, we opened up Isaac TV. And uh, as of today now, uh, we are covering over 65 countries through the whole 1040 window, which means we cover from the Ukraine right across China up into Russia, right across to Japan and down to Australia. 65 countries covering billions of people, the majority of the world's population we are reaching now with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, hallelujah. And you guys are a part of that. And uh, so uh, every day now we are seeing, uh, we are receiving thousands of responses every single day, over 2,000 responses every day from people from all over the world, watching the Isaac TV, hearing the gospel, and whose hearts are being changed. We've had the Taliban phone up. We have Muslim extremists phone up. Well, they are sort of Taliban anyway. But we have extremist Muslim, fundamentalist Muslim from Saudi Arabia phone up and uh, whose hearts have been changed, and they want to be a a follower of Jesus Christ. We've had uh, imams, local imams, see and hear the miracles of of God working in uh, average people's, normal person's lives, and started to question, why do we not see that at our mosque? And uh, so we've had local imams phone up and say, I want to quit the mosque. I want to be quit being a a Muslim, and I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to become a pastor in your church. (laughs) Let me tell you today, a lot of Christians today, a lot of the Western world are are afraid of Muslims. They're afraid of Islam. You hear news reports, oh, Islam is creeping into here, Islam is creeping into here. I've even heard reports that Islam is trying to creep into Hawke's Bay. Let me tell you this, my friends. (laughs) We as the Church of God are called to take the gospel into every part of the world. And if you're afraid of Islam, you'll have no power over it. If you hate Muslims, you'll have no power over them. No power at all. No power at all. And our God has put us into a position now where I can preach, I can, you know, I even go to the grand email, we joke about being touched by the, we don't really joke, I'm really serious about it, but uh, he loves being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, so every time I'm with him, I say, touch him, Holy Spirit, touch him, touch him, Holy Ghost, let your power come over his life, and he's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> touch, touch, touch. So he loves it, and so God has given us uh, uh, amazing opportunities to take the gospel into the darkest of darkest of places, into the most dangerous places in the world. We go there and take the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, uh, and you guys are a part of that, so I want to thank you so much for sowing your, your prayers, and for, your, for your, your, your thoughts, and for your emails, and your finances, for sowing those into our lives, because you are a part of this mission. Over 2,000 people every day, and we have only just started. <laughs> This is only just the beginning, and uh, but it is a very dangerous place, and i 'm sure Gerald would understand that there are some very real threats. It is not China, it is the wild east of Pakistan, and uh, there 's the head of the snake, and uh, we have. Uh, most of, in fact, most of our calls are coming from places like Mecca in Saudi Arabia, of people hearing the gospel and wanting their lives to be uh, needing a miracle or want to be touched by the power of Jesus, or they want to follow Jesus. People from Mecca, straight to the heart of the snake. That's where we're taking the gospel. So don't you worry about Muslims coming here. You just worry about this. Are you in faith or not? Be, cons- be more concerned about that. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Be more concerned about that. I just want to show you just a quick uh, few photos and uh, here we go. Just to give you an idea of what it's like for us there. <laughs> <I want one. laughs> I've got one. <laughs> this is uh, one of my guards. He's also, uh, he's also a guard for the, the Minister of Finances in our church. And uh, that's a fully automatic uh, shotgun, <laughs> full of buckshot, just in case. <laughs> you know, if you get caught in a gunfight, you don't want to be, you know, and uh, I went to a place called Quetta. And uh, Quetta is right on, the place, right on the border of, uh, of Afghanistan. And Quetta is actually Afghan territory, but it's on the Pakistani side of the border. And uh, this is where the Al-Qaeda basically have their, have their headquarters. And so this is right in the middle of Al-Qaeda territory. And uh, so we get there, and we're met at the airport by our, our, our security crew. So wherever we went, we have, a, we have a Hilux in front and a Hilux at the back. And uh, both Hilaxes are decked out with, with, um, with uh, soldiers with AK-47s. You see this man, uh, these two, the two men that you see hopping into the truck there, uh, they're part of our TV crew. We flew there. Uh, we took the plane to Quetta because it was quite a, a fair distance. But uh, these guys took the train, and, but on the way, the train got bombed by a, uh, by a bomb. And uh, <laughs> luckily, it went off a little bit early, and it was just the engine that rolled off the track. And so they had to travel 100 miles in a rickshaw. And uh, everywhere we go, we have, uh, we have people uh, with the guards like that. And uh, I mean, we trust the Holy Spirit, but this is the wild east of Pakistan. And uh, you've got to be careful. This is Quetta. Now, this is a gun shop. <laughs> I was just, this is downtown in the market. And uh, I just happened to be standing... Funny enough, I happened to, be found- happened to find a gun shop. And uh, as I was standing outside this gun shop, I could count five or six other gun shops within about a stone throw from each other. <laughs> So it just gives you an no idea of what the culture is like. You have one there, there's one across in the corner, and there's another two or three across the road. And uh, so that just gives you an no idea in the type of territory that we have taken the gospel into. And uh, this lady here, uh, she, was in a, she was in a crusade, and uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> and uh, the power of God was moving, and uh, this lady had a tumour in her stomach, and, uh, and Pastor Amway prayed for her, and immediately... Immediately, she started to cough and splutter, and next thing you know, out came this tumor. And there it is in her hand, right there. And for a close up picture, there it is, my friends. That is the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I are birthed into. Oh, come on, if you want to give Jesus some praise, you can give him some praise. I'm all good for great signs and wonders and, and little things that tickle my, uh, tickle my skin and things like that. But friends, I want to see more of this. I want to see the power of God coming and pulling out tumors instantly. We had, uh, we had a number of people raised from the dead. Uh, one of the last times I was preaching, uh, uh, in fact, 10,000 people responded to Jesus Christ in that one meeting alone. <laughs> and uh, 10,000 people responded to Jesus at one meeting alone. And anyway, this lady rings up, and uh, she phones up the meeting, and her her, her child, her daughter, had, had had a terrible accident, and fallen three stories from a building, and uh, and had died. she she was expired. They took her to the hospital, and uh, and um, the doctor declared her dead, and sent her home in the ambulance. And uh, so anyway, they had. They were distraught. They had nowhere else to turn to. But they heard that there was a man of God, that they heard that Jesus was alive, that they heard that the power of God was real. And so they knew where to find the power of God. And so they phoned up the meeting. And, uh, and uh, one of the pastors prayed for this girl over the phone. She was dead. She was expired. Doctor's certificate, dead. And uh, I mean, falling that far from a, onto concrete, it's, it's not good. And anyway, the next week, she was up on, that test, uh, up on the platform testifying of the goodness of God and how Jesus Christ had healed her, raised her back to life. Come on, that's the dead being raised. This is what you've been praying for for years. <laughs> and uh, just freeze it just for a minute. And uh, I just want to take you just briefly what it's like down in, in uh, Quetta. And this is... This is downtown Quetta. This is right in the heart of Al Qaeda territory. Just after we've been through there, uh, there were people kidnapped both before and after we've been through there.
1: That just gives you a little bit of an idea of what it's like. I'm just going to quickly
2: move forward because I'm just in the conscious of, of, uh, of time. But uh, this, is, this place here is called Peshawar. Now, Peshawar is in the head of Taliban country, and uh, right there we see the power of the Holy Spirit moving. You watch to see how, how these people are so free to worship right in the middle of Taliban territory. Check these guys out. There's just a couple of metal sticks that they sort of fit together This is the vicar horrendously loud the most dangerous place in the world and this is how they worship and pray because there's security there that pulls them away <laughs> this is one in every church Pastor Mike came over and, uh, and uh, mum and dad came over and, and, and shared some time with us and, and got to preach in the church. and, and uh, So I just want to briefly take you right now to our Wednesday night meeting. And every Wednesday night, we have uh, up to 20 to 25,000 people turn up uh, ready to hear the gospel and wanted to receive a miracle. And so this, um, this little clip here, uh, it's just with, with Pastor Mike, and uh, this is what it's like on a weekly basis in, uh, in our ministry over there.
0: Tell us what happened to the miracle The woman was in pain She's had an she operation she she it. She she She's very free She's, She's totally free Look at that She, that she came in pain
2: just a, <laughs> just a quick video Here's another one
1: this man that's speaking now
2: he's the interpreter that died one day when I was uh, doing the seminar and he was the first person that we raised back to life
0: this is the man here मैं तकरीबन बचपन से प्रकृति के आने में था जहां ज्यादा मेरे साथ जाती जो कादा नगर साथ साथ थी की मेरे साथ रेलवे की कंपनी में लोगों को मैंने बारे में बहुत इंफॉर्मेशनेशन
2: दी थी लेकिन आज शिवाजी पश्चिम
1: समीक्षा साइट पर खुले मुझे ऐसा लगा जैसे कि समझ
2: नहीं तीन कि मैं
0: all his life by evil spirits. He just free right
2: now. So here you go, I'll just show you one just one more and uh, here is uh, check this lady out. So we have them have them turn up in their burqas. so there you have um, Muslims are uh, people from more types of places coming to the Wednesday night, and this is the type of content that we produce and we, we transmit across all the world, across all the, our coverage area, and uh, so when people hear those testimonies, when people hear the message of Jesus Christ unashamedly, they respond, and their heart is, their heart is changed, and they respond to Jesus Christ, and uh, so every week we experience this, and uh, it was just such an amazing, uh, amazing environment to be in, but... Let me tell you, the other side of the coin is this, that it is also a very, very dangerous place to be in. And when we first arrived in Pakistan, uh, it was relatively stable, but uh, not long after that, uh, just, actually just before we got there, uh, the governor of Punjab was assassinated. And, uh, and at that time, was a, that, was a, that was the beginning of a downhill slide for the nation. All of a sudden, the nation started to become a, a much more dangerous place, and uh, it, it was just he just took a downhill slide, and uh, one of my friends, one of our good friends here in Pakistan, and his name is Shabazz. and uh, now Shabaz is a Catholic, and he's, he was 41 years old, and uh, he had dedicated his life to to standing up for the freedom, uh, becoming a, a voice for the voiceless, and uh, after the governor was shot dead, the reason he was shot dead is because there's a, 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 a there's what's called a blasphemy law over the over many of these uh, over many of these nations, which means if you if you speak ill of Islam or Muhammad or anything like that, uh, th- someone can bring that law and, and, and there's a death sentence with that law. But it's ill-defined. And, and so what they wanted to do was bring a reform to that, to that law. Because people know that if that law is taken away, that would actually open the way for many, many people to give their hearts to Christ. Many of the Muslims are actually quite fed up with Islam. Everywhere we go, there's a lot of Muslims fed up with it and wanting a change. And uh, so if we can bring the gospel right now at this particular time, when they hear the gospel, when they see the power of Jesus Christ, their hearts are changed. But there's this blasphemy law. And so this man here stood up against the blasphemy law, and he was, uh, he was shot dead as, as a result by his, his own bodyguard. But then our friend, now this is, he's a very, very good friend of ours, and um, he, about the time this man was shot dead, he knew that he, was, he lived a very, very dangerous life. His life was a life that was living on the edge, just much like, much like yourself and much like many of the people that I was, I was walking with. And uh, one day he looked into the camera and he said this. He said, I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. This is the only man, he, he's, the, he's a federal minister, and uh, he's been threatened by the Taliban and, and, uh, and stood up face to face with them and, 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 and boldly preaches the gospel. Anyway, he stands up in front of this camera, makes a public declaration. He said, I'm not afraid of the gospel. He said, I know Jesus Christ. I know that what he did for me on the cross. I know that he gave his life for me on that cross of Calvary. I know what he did for me. And he said, I too prepare to give my life for the freedom of people, of other people. I'll sacrifice my life for people's freedom if I need to the time calls for it, I will lay down my life. And he knew in his heart that he was going to to die one day. He knew that maybe one day he was going to have his head cut off or, or something like that. But the boldness of the man, to stand up face to face with the Taliban just after someone else had been shot. I'm not afraid. I know the power of the gospel. I'm not afraid to lose my life. I'm committed to standing up and to bringing the gospel and bringing freedom for people. One day I was talking to him and uh, we're just arranging a meeting and uh, we got a call. And uh, he'd been intercepted on the way to work one day and had uh, been stopped and and. Uh, People got around the car and uh, machine gunned him down. <laughs> one day you're talking to him, next thing you know, we see that. And uh, he's a man that's not afraid to, to stand up for the gospel. And uh, one day he was on his way to work and car pulled up and just after we were talking to him, gunmen got out, surrounded the car, machine gunned him to death, and uh, There you have it. Man who gave his life for the gospel. Man who gave his life to stand up for the voiceless, to become a voice for the voiceless. This man who was committed to bringing the gospel into his people. But, friends, I want to ask you this question today. When you got saved, what did you get saved from? What did you get saved to? When you ask the Holy Spirit, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, He comes into our heart not just to give us goosebumps. <laughs> he comes into our heart not just to give us good feelings. No, no, no. He does give us that. But He comes into our heart because He wants to put His Spirit into our hearts. He has got a plan and a purpose for you. You know, the Bible says this in the uh, In in, in Acts chapter 17, about the disciples, the first disciples of Jesus Christ, the people that followed Jesus, it was sad of them, They, 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 they said this, and it was heard that the disciples had come into town, and they said, these that have turned the world upside down have come here also. Those that have turned the world, those that have shifted the Roman Empire, have now come to this place. You've got to understand that when the power of the Holy Spirit came into these disciples, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon our life, we become transformed into a different person. Not just to feel good, but to shift demonic powers over nations. God has called you and I to become power shifters, not just feel good people. See, the Bible and implies in this verse here, that that shifted the power somewhere else. And now they had come to this place and they were about to transform this city as well. So the disciples of Jesus Christ had a reputation that they could shift the and transform uh, cities, they could transform nations. They had a reputation to shift the power of people's lives. Friends, what is the reputation that goes before us today? They had a reputation. So if they shifted it here, they must have shifted it somewhere. You know, the thing about this, all of us live under a power of some sort. And what we see right now is we see nations starting to shift and transform. We see various powers around the world starting to shift and be unsettled. We see governments changing. We see nations all of a sudden, an uprising, and, and the whole nation has changed. We see financial systems being collapsed what we see is we're seeing a transference or a shifting of power around the globe. And hey Friends, you and I as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, are called to be uh, involved in shifting and transforming the different types of powers. But the thing is this, you cannot shift a power over a nation unless you first shift it over your own heart. See, the thing about when you come to Jesus Christ is this, not everything is automatic. There are some things that are automatic, but there's other things that just become available to you. Like, the, like when, Lazarus, when Lazarus got called out of the grave, Jesus called him out. He came out of the grave, but he was still bound. The, the ripping off of the grave clothes still needed to be done. And the thing is, it's like many times we've become so culturized to what we live under, we don't know that we're culturized. So many times we are so used or so accustomed to living under a power that we don't even know that we're living under the power. So when we receive Jesus Christ, what happens is this. We receive God's gift of eternal life, absolutely. But there are some things that do not shift over our life. We actually have to lay a hold of it and shift the power ourselves. It's available. The power, the grace of God is made available to us. It doesn't do things automatically, but it makes things available to you. It's a big difference when something just happens automatically, but it's a big difference when you actually have to take authority and shift it yourself. Uh, for example, Jesus, so these people, that were shifting the powers over nations. They were shifting the, the, the predominant power at that time. But actually what Jesus did was this. He would worked with them in their personal lives. So when Jesus gave Peter an attitude adjustment, he was shifting a power upon his life. When Peter walked upon the water, when Jesus called him out, he was shifting a power over his life. It was a personal thing he was shifting. Peter didn't automatically just become like an angel. He needed to embrace some truth into his life. And friends, in order for power to be shifted, we actually have to embrace truth. It is the truth that sets us free. It is truth that shifts the power of our lives. But the problem is this. Most people, or many people, are not always receptive to truth. When truth comes, most many times we hide or we put a we try and push it away or try and deny it. But if we want to have the power shifted over our life, we've got to first embrace truth. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, He is the Spirit of He's the Comfort of God, but He's the Spirit of Truth. He brings truth. And when we have truth in our life, we have freedom. The places of our life that we don't embrace truth are the places that we don't have freedom. So our walk as a Christian, we need to continually be walking with the Holy Spirit and allowing His truth to come into our lives and to shift those powers off us. And so when Jesus walked with Jesus and uh, when Jesus walked with Peter and, and, and worked in his life, He was shifting something personally inside of him. And then He came to the point where He could stand up and shift the power over nations. Somebody hearing me this morning. For some of you people here today, for some of us, fear is a power that's predominant over our life. Sure, you come and you've received Jesus Christ and you've said a sinner's prayer, but inside you're afraid. For some people, it's anger or addiction. For some people, you, you've had a, a, there's been addictions or things that there's been a power that's operated over your family. Maybe it's been a power of poverty, over generation, over generation, of your life, of your family's life. It's a power. You may be a Christian, but there's still a power that's operating that needs to be shifted off your life. And when we can shift that power off our life, my goodness me, we can shift the power over Hastings. We could shift it over New Zealand just like that. It could be spoken. The people from Bay City here have come here also. Though they've shifted the power in Hastings. They're going to come and shift it over nations. But we've got to shift it in our own life. And so God often brings us into a place where we become a wee bit more receptive to truth. Sometimes God has to arrange our lives because he loves us. He doesn't want to hurt us. Or anything. He wants to arrange circumstances so we become a little bit more receptive, be able to want to learn and change. Some people, when life is going really, really good, and somebody says, you need to change that, or, or, or truth comes, often we just don't want to hear it when life is going well. But it's amazing how people are receptive. How people become when things are going really, really bad. It's amazing how receptive people can come when their finances have just gone woof. It's amazing how receptive people become when all of a sudden the world that they've built their lives around suddenly, suddenly starts to collapse. Oh, oh, listen, Pastor. I'll change. I'll change. My wife wants to leave me, and, and, and I'll change now. <laughs> we become really receptive when things in their world start to shake. And I believe in the world today that God has started to shake things. God is shaking the financial system. God is shaking everything that can be shaken. He'll be shaking. And if you're feeling unsettled in your life, if you've got marriage problems, you've got problems with your kids, if you've got financial problems, if you've got health problems, whatever's going on in your life right now, if you could shift perspective to say, hey, God has wanted to shake something in my life. Maybe God has wanted to bring truth in me so I can shift the power off my life so I can then stand up and shift the power over nations. Hallelujah. Sometimes you've got to come to the place where you've just got nothing else left in you. There's a man I respect greatly in this church, and he said one day, he said, you know, all you've got to lose, really, is your pride. You've got nothing to lose. And I was thinking, you know, about the lepers men. The, the, you know, when the, the the city of Samaria was under, under siege, and there was a famine in the land. You know, it's very similar to what's going on now. We may not be uh, boiling children or anything like that, or eating doves and and and, and feces. But for many people, they're suffering. They're, they're experiencing a famine in their land. It wasn't the king. They shifted the power. It wasn't necessarily the prophet, although the prophet was involved. What we see is four lepers men, the Bible says, were sitting outside the gate. Who knows how long they sat there? They must have sat there for years. And then one day, one of them asked the question, why are we sitting here? At the same time that the prophet released a decree of the word of God, All of a sudden, people over here started to become unsettled and start to question things. Why why, why are we sitting here? I I mean, if we sit here, we die. If we go there, we die. Maybe if we go over there, something good will come out of it. So I believe that, you know, the story that eventually, they made the decision just to go out there. And when they got out there, what they experienced was a great and mighty move of God that they were able to bring the news back and say, you're free. And the whole city was set free just like that. And you can see in the world today, you can see the, transfer, the, the, the shaking that's happened in the nations. It has not been the president or the prime minister or the people in senior leadership. It has not been those people. There was one of the countries that got literally transformed. It started off by one young man who had nothing left in him to give. He was like one of those lepers people. If I stay here, I die. If I go back, I die. If I go out there, maybe something good will happen. He got treated badly, and he probably didn't do such a wise thing, but but he set fire to himself, and and literally it sparked a passion upon thousands upon thousands of people. Next thing you know, the the whole nation, the whole government was overthrown. The whole power over a whole nation was shifted simply by somebody saying this, What have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? What am I holding on to today? My question to you today is this. We can sit here in the church. We could sit here for many years and enjoy great company with lattes out there and come and see Pastor Lynn for some TLC and ministry. Still nothing shifts in our life. Or we can come to the place where I can't go back. Can't stay as I am. I might as well just go out and give it a shot anyway. What have I got to lose? I'm not going to sit under this power over my life anymore. And let's go to nations. Now, God is using a a young man like myself. Yeah, I'm young. I think she'd grow this beard because I look too young. <laughs> People are thinking I'm 20 and whatnot, but I was thinking, God bless you. God used somebody like me, and now we're shifting the power over the whole Muslim world. In many of the mosques around Pakistan, they are talking about what you and I are doing together. Some of them don't like it. (laughs) But we're shifting the power, but to do that, I had to be open in my own heart to receive truth. I didn't always agree with it or see it, but I had to be open in my heart to receive it, to hear, have people speak into me and, and adjust attitudes and just, adjust behaviors and, and adjust certain things in my life and shift the various powers off me. And then it comes to a point where the Holy Ghost taps you on that shoulder and says, I've got something to shift over, over nations. Are you in for it? Are you up for it? Are you up for it? Today, God has wanted to shift something over your life. He wants to shift something in your marriage. He wants to shift something in your finances. He wants to shift something, not just off your personal life, but off your whole generation, over your whole family line. God's going to do something powerful in your life, and God is going to do something powerful in Bay City. He wants to shift something here. He wants to shift something in our nations, but you've got to have it shifted in this heart first. Let that reputation that goes before us be like that those that have shifted the world, those that have turned the world upside down, they've come here also. The same person that shifted the economy in Hastings, the same person that shifted the gang culture in, in, in New Zealand, they're coming to this place today. That's the spirit. That is the power that you and I are born into. Oh, come on, if you want to give Jesus a shout of praise, you give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet today. We're going to start to pray in the Holy Ghost just for a couple of minutes. Sorry, I've gone a bit over time. But I believe that God wants to shift something in this place today. Shift something in your life. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, My goodness, it's not just a dove. It is the power of God. It is the power that can transform your life. It is the power that can shift our nation. It is the power that can shift our culture. Come on, let's start to pray in the Holy Spirit today. Come on, this is what we were birthed into. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, let the Spirit of God arise in you today.
0: Thank you, Lord. Father, we lift our own city, our own nation up before you. We pray, Lord, for the gospel of the kingdom to go mightily forth from our lives, uh, mightily into our community. In Jesus' wonderful name. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout, shall we? Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many of you today would have felt something shake inside you as you feel the passion for the nations. How many felt the stir inside? You know, and we need to feel stirred about our own city as well, stirred about what God is doing here, stirred about our own neighbourhood. It helps you get stirred to realise that in the last year in our city, the local imam won 100 people. To the Muslim faith in our city. This is not somewhere afar off. This is something in the world for us to face, and we want to face it. We've got to get bold, got to get serious about sharing the gospel. Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then the earth, the, the end shall come. So the gospel will be preached. Amen.